Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacy LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Angie Krauss of Boulder Holistic Veterinary Practice. Angie, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Would you be willing to just share with us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with becoming a veterinarian, actually specifically a holistic vet? Well, when I was three years old, my mother brought home two black kittens from the Humane Society. And naturally, I named mine Pinky. And (laughs) when we took the kitties to the vet, I walked in the clinic and I just knew I was home. From that day, I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian, and um, I went to Texas A&M, and so I'm a conventionally trained veterinarian, and when I uh, graduated, I got into uh, rehabilitation, and I started exploring integrative medicine, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, uh, nutrition, acupuncture, chiropractic, all those sorts of things that make me a holistic veterinarian. I've been practicing for 11 years, and I currently have a house call practice in Boulder where um, I go to people's homes and I see dogs and cats. Um, Now that I'm at house call practice, I see a lot more kitties than I used to since it's easier uh, for kitties to get veterinary care at home. So you probably see quite a few cats that wouldn't be great candidates to go to the traditional veterinarian because they don't like to get into carriers. I don't know many cats that like to just walk into carriers, but is that what you find happens that you get a lot of those kinds of cats that are just kind of fractious or super shy or semi-feral or the older and more supportive care cats? I would say both. We see a lot of kitties that uh, don't do well in a clinic and they do really well at home for the most part. Occasionally we'll have a kitty that needs some chemical help to get through veterinary care. Um, But it's amazing how surprised people are when um, my nurse and I can have a really let's see what would be the best word for this drama free exam (laughs) and drama free um, blood draw. And then Kitty's pretty happy with us. And sometimes, you know, by the time cats get to a clinic, they're really amped up and then they're, they have all these smells. And so how that kitty um, behaves in a clinic is very different than a home setting. But I must add, there are a couple cats in our practice that we can't do anything for. They go to the clinic and they are perfectly fine there. Well, isn't that interesting? Ah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One never knows. Do you think that we should have more cat-only veterinary practices? I mean, do you feel like it's better, you know, to talk about smells in clinics and and that kind of thing? Other cat smells are probably just as agitating as other dog smells, but I didn't know if you had a thought about treating cats differently than dogs and, and maybe even separating those into their own specialties rather than just saying, I'm a small animal veterinarian. 
Yes. I think cat only clinics, um, when they're done well are really great for cats. Um, the clinic, my associate clinic, uh, they have a cat only room. So they have a place where dogs have not been. And I find that to be helpful, but I think at the end of the day, it's how you handle that kitty and how you respect their boundaries. And that being said, barking dogs are are never helpful. (laughs) It's never a helpful environment. So when you approach a kitty that you are visiting in a home, what are your tips and tricks? Well, I really let the kitty just kind of evaluate me first. I never, you know, walk up to a kitty and and try to touch them or look at them. A lot of people, when I arrive to their house, if they're a new client, they'll say, oh, I have kitty ready right now. And I'll tell them, okay, let's let kitty go. And I spend a lot of time talking to my clients to figure out what's going on and, you know, what we want to do for the visit. And then my nurse and I get everything ready. We prioritize everything we're going to do in that visit. So that way we can do it very quickly. But in the meantime, Kitty is deciding whether he or she wants to interact with us or, you know, smell us. And so it gives Kitty time to either warm up to us or show us that they're not really interested. And then that helps us decide what we're going to do in that visit. That's great. So it's sort of have a a chill out time and then you get to sort of learn about each other, but not necessarily go right at one another and say, okay, I've got 10 minutes. I've got to get this job done. Exactly. And I find when in my first visit, if I can show my patient that I respect their boundaries, the next visit, they'll give me more and more. And I really do build up trust with cats over time. And so if it's my first visit with a cat, we want to do blood work, but it's not very important. I say, well, let's let this visit be this kitty getting to know me and knowing that I will respect their boundaries and I'm hearing what they're telling me. Then the, con- the subsequent visits will be much smoother. Can you share with me what your definition of being a holistic vet? I mean, what does that really mean? Being a holistic vet for me means doing anything that works. I use traditional medicine, alternative medicine. And so not only do I use all modalities that I think can be helpful, but I look at my patient as a whole. And so I'm thinking about, you know, when kitties peeing outside the box, what's going on for them mentally and emotionally. And also I'm thinking of, you know, the physiology of their urinary tract system. So you're always focused on getting to the root cause of the issue, not necessarily just trying to minimize that behavior. Correct. So anxiety or behavioral issues really aren't necessarily the problem. It's something deeper that you have to look for. Correct. Yes. And what are the tools that you use? You've you've mentioned some of the different modalities. Are there certain supplements or we had spoken just a little bit before we started recording about CBD. Are there certain things that are really go-tos in your like toolbox of items that you use with cats? Yes. And you know, when I use supplements with cats, I have to be very intentional because asking a cat to take a supplement is, it's a big deal. And so I, I I would say my go-tos are probiotics, um, hemp derived CBD, and then Chinese herbs. And usually I use these in ways that I think it's going to be easy for Kitty to take. And I think I get the maximum benefit from those types of supplements. 
probiotic. Um, so that's helping keep their GI tract in better shape. And that's because they've probably had some grain in their diet over the years. Is that the assumption? Yes. I think everybody, every bean should be on probiotics. Our gut flora, the bacteria in our intestines is so important for all of our body function, whether it's our, our mental health, our immune system, or our digestive health. And I like to, um, especially with kitties, keep their digestive health as optimum as possible just because of the diets that we have been traditionally feeding cats and they are so predisposed uh, to inflammatory bowel disease. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say in, in the past, I have heard references to using like canned pumpkin and some dietary issues to try and help, but um, it sounds like the probiotic would be even stronger and, and more effective. Yes, it definitely can be. And tell me a little bit about the CBD. Now you said it's hemp based. So mm -hmm. is is CBD different than like the CBD that we get for people? Is it is it like a different type of stuff or is it the same? It, it it's the same. So hemp, so when you think about cannabis, you have marijuana and then you have hemp. And they're both from the same genus cannabis. And then within hemp, you have a really low level of THC, so our kitties can't get high, and a high level of CBD. And marijuana has a low level of CBD and a high level of THC. And we talk about CBD, um, but really the hemp plant has a lot of other um, phytocannabinoids, um, such as CBN, CBG, and there are other therapeutic compounds in there. Um, CBD, I think, just gets the most press right now. And um, now that the farm bill has passed, and we'll see more research institutions being able to um, look into the, um, the pharmacology of this plant, I think we'll see that there are other really important compounds besides CBD. But for now, we attribute most of the therapeutic benefit of hemp to CBD. Mm. So, because I have heard some conversation between the differences between the marijuana CBD and the hemp derived CBD, and that they have different reactions or different responses. Am I right or wrong in that? You know, technically, they should be the same. Um, they're the same exact compound. I think what we'll find is how they work um, in conjunction with the other components. We know that. CBD lessens the effects of THC. Um, and so when you're when we're thinking about marijuana, CBD can be protective from, you know, the high, the side effects of a high from the THC. Um, but using CBD from a hemp plant might be using the same as using CBD from a marijuana plant. However, the legalities would be different. Right. Right. And we were talking earlier, I have my cat Misha is on CBD. And so she takes it every day. And I was talking about how she has um, severe arthritis in her hips. And so for years, she's had to have ramps or get picked up to be up on a couch or up on a bed or, or anything like that. And since I've put her on the CBD, she's her mobility has just changed absolutely dramatically. Are there certain areas where CBD help, you know, like our for sure, it sounds like from my perspective, it sounds like arthritis is probably a, a great thing to utilize for uh, with CBD, but there maybe there are other things, maybe is anxiety or sleep, or I'm not sure from a cat standpoint, you know, what, what would be the 
potential um, scenarios you use CBD? And is that just a Band-Aid type thing, again, not going to the root cause? You know, the more I use CBD, the more um, conditions I see it helping. Um, so I might be using CBD to help with a kitty's arthritis, and I have found that to be very effective. Um, but then we see as a side effect the chronic upper respiratory infection or the herpes um, eye ulcers start to heal up. And we know that CBD does help the immune system. And so I think we're finding lots of applications. Anxiety is definitely, uh, I feel like one of the most, um, or I'd say CBD is one of the most reliable treatments for anxiety um, in my practice. And so anxious cats could really benefit uh, from CBD. And I, I'm interested to know as uh, the years go on, if we'll find that uh, CBD can be helpful for inflammatory bowel disease. Usually by the time cats get so symptomatic, it's hard to know what's helping because we're using a, a multimodal approach, using lots of different treatments. Um, but other things like chronic pancreatitis, I will, I'll put my patients um, with that and inflammatory bowel disease on CBD because it's such a great anti-inflammatory. Today's episode is sponsored by Space Kitty Express, your one-stop shop for exotic cat drugs. Everyone's heard of catnip, but what about valerian root, tatarian honeysuckle, or silver vine? Space Kitty Express specializes in offering these hard-to-find catnip alternatives, both in their herbal form and stuffed into a variety of reusable toys. Their herbs are 100% pure, not like those quote-unquote catnip blends you might find in a pet store. Their tartarian honeysuckle wood is cut fresh and kept frozen to lock in its citrusy scent. Their silver vine exudes a mintiness that tingles the nostrils. Their organic valerian root is so musky that they've had to blend it with organic lemongrass so that human noses can tolerate it. Cats can definitely tell the difference between these quality herbs and that stale catnip from the big box store. Visit SpaceKittyExpress.com and watch videos from satisfied feline customers. Use coupon code COMMUNITYCATS, all one word, at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. That's SpaceKittyExpress.com with coupon code COMMUNITYCATS. Doesn't your cat deserve the best? Spoil them today at SpaceKittyExpress.com. <coughs> Provet Logic, based in Scottsboro, Alabama, provides educational support and product solutions to professional pet care providers and pet parents throughout the country. As a licensed veterinary medical continuing education provider, ProVet Logic provides a variety of educational tools designed to help cat care providers create a cleaner and safer environment for both the cats in their care and the care providers. To learn more about ProVet Logic, please visit www.provetlogic.com or call 800-869-4789. The other thing, at least from my perspective, and maybe I'm not administering it correctly, but um, it's pretty it's pretty easy to administer. Um, I sometimes put it in the food if I feel like I, I can't get her. She's a former semi-feral kitty. She's become a lot more friendly in her, her old age, but now I'm able to, I squirt it in her mouth. Now, I can't exactly tell her to keep it under her tongue for five to 10 seconds, but you know, at least I'm getting it in her mouth. Uh, but absorption is important with regards to CBD, right? 
Absorption is important, and we think that um, it's better absorbed with food, and so putting it on food is great. And I found that overall, it's actually really easy for cats to take CBD, and that's not the case with all supplements. But I found um, I sell a soft chew and an oil, and between the two of those products, most cats will take them regularly. So you prefer to have it in the food. With it being in the food, sometimes she will only eat half at a time. And I do have my other cat, Hooch, who tends to stick his nose in everybody's business. So (laughs) it's one of those balancing acts where when I do squirt it in her mouth, at least I know she's getting it. Right. If she walks away from her food, then that gets tricky and it might get wasted. And it's such an expensive supplement that if she won't eat at all, then I think putting it in her mouth is probably a good second option. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so you just get this little um, eyedropper type thing and I just soak it up like, you know, to the halfway point or whatever. And so it is, it's very easy and it's not to be refrigerated or, or is it to be refrigerated? I refrigerate because I think all oils last longer refrigerated. And it also depends on how quickly you're going through it. I use a really concentrated version um, for my crew and it will last maybe a couple months. And so I, I definitely keep it in the refrigerator. Oh, it's good to know. Good to know. And then the oil base that you use, what's that kind of oil? It's hemp oil. It's just the hemp oil. Okay. Yes, which is important when you're looking at products to see what other ingredients are there, especially if your kitty has food allergies. Uh, a lot of companies will put it in coconut oil or some other oil. And um, that's why I really like to keep my product as pure as possible. So it's, it's hemp extract in hemp oil. So we have one plant. Right, right. And there are so many different types of CBD that's out there. So you're just saying really try and verify that you're getting your CBD from a good source. That's correct. Yes. You want to know where it's grown. You want to make sure it's grown in the United States. You want to know how they're extracting it. CO2 extraction is the best, in my opinion, for cats, because we know that there's no chemical residue left. And then you want to make sure that they are doing an analysis on each batch so you can know for sure how many milligrams of CBD, THC, and any of the other um, phytocannabinoids that they're looking at, you want to make sure that they know that and that they also list on the bottle how many milligrams of CBD are in a milliliter or a drop. You need some way to measure it. I can't tell you how many emails and phone calls I get every day saying, well, I have this product and I don't know how much to give. And I'll look on the label and I'll say, I I actually don't know how much to give either because like a lot of companies don't put it on their label. Right. right. I believe on your website, you have like a, a chart of some kind, like a dosing chart. Is that correct? Did I see that? I do have a dosing chart. Yeah. So that way, whatever product you're using, you can look at by weight and see how many milligrams to start with. One other line that I would like to repeat from our pre-recording conversation is one thing that you said that you felt very strongly about is that you really feel that cats are underserved. And I was just hoping maybe you could expand upon that statement with our listeners a little bit more. Yes. The the more I practice, the more I realize as a society and even in veterinary medicine, we are not doing the best for our kitties. Kitties often don't get veterinary care. 
they don't get dental care. We're not really feeding them properly. We're not uh, stimulating them and um, having the emotional connection that we could be having with them. You know, when we get puppies, we take them to puppy kindergarten um, and we, you know, develop this relationship with them. And with cats, we really don't do that. And cats really have all the same potential as part of our families as dogs do. And it's like even on social media, you'll see all these memes about how, you know, cats are aloof and, you know, maybe they don't like us. And all of those maybe are funny, but on some level, I think we need to understand that our cats do like us and they do want an emotional bond with us and they have the same um, social needs and they just look a little bit different we really need to do a better job of understanding what our cats need because they're not small dogs that you can just leave be, if that makes sense. Right, right, right. And I mean, now that we have this trend of having our cats indoors as much as possible or indoors all the time, you know, it's a tough life. It would be tough for me to be indoors all the time and you need to have stimulation. And I I think that that's a big conversation about whether cats, you know, should be indoors all the time or if there's a way to have them indoor, outdoor with catios or certainly there's working cats at barns and farms and in warehouses and green greenhouses. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities for working cats too. But I mean, I think as time goes on, there's going to be a lot more cats that are going to be living in apartments in high rises as our cities continue to grow. And what are those cats doing while we're at work for, you know, 10 hours a day? Right. And we're not considering what kind of environmental stimulation they might need. Then if they were to be outside, how often would they be snacking on some grass or catching a mouse and and doing all those things that keep them mentally well? I think so much of our cats' disease states now really come from mental health. Hmm, interesting. We've talked about that. My son and I have talked about the mental health and mental well-being for our cats here and asking lots of lots of questions, you know, are cats having the same kind of diseases as they age that we are? And is our quality of life at the end of life really okay? Or is it kind of long and miserable, which it can be for some people too? And, you know, it's it's a tough conversation. It really is. It's tough and it's so um, cat-specific and, and guardian-specific. And, you know, since most cats usually have some component of kidney disease, as they age, it it gets really hard and they have such a slow decline. I think that we could be doing more for them. And even using CBD, I've seen so many of my older kitties in the practice um, have a lot more quality of life. But you know, when dogs get older and they can't jump up on the couch anymore, there's a lot more care that they get. They get more acupuncture and chiropractic or even, you know, pharmaceuticals like Rimadyl, and we have all these pain medications for dogs. And then when our cats get older and don't jump up on things or have trouble getting up the stairs, we just accept, oh, well, you know, he just stays on that bed all day, or he doesn't come upstairs anymore, or he just stays in this room, and we don't really advocate for them. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, with my cat, Misha, who I said, you know, wasn't able to jump up on furniture until within the last six months from like the age of six. And I honestly didn't really know much of what she was doing. She was very, very semi-feral as a young kitten. I adopted her as a kitten. She's very semi-feral. And now she's turned into a very friendly marshmallow-like cat. But it really took her 15 or 15 and a half years to turn that corner. And it could have been disease-related. Who knows? I 
I don't know. It could have been the cancer. We keep on joking to say the oral cancer kind of took her feralness out of her and made her a friendlier cat. Mm-hmm. And so she's had a dramatic behavior change. But my son said, you know, do you think she's got dementia? And it, she's early renal failure. So that's a possibility too. But there's a lot of behavioral changes that happen as a cat ages, maybe because of what's going on inside their body. Correct. And there's so much we don't really know. And it's something that as veterinarians, we don't get taught a lot of cat behavior in school. We are so much more trained in dog behavior to keep ourselves safe. Mm. And um, with kitties, I feel like with every continuing education I go to, I'm learning something and I, I look back and think, oh, wow, that that was really obvious. And I can't believe I never thought of that. I think it's just the societal model about how we think of cats. Yeah, it's just sort of like, oh, well, when their time comes, it comes and not necessarily to put a whole heck of a lot of anything really, really into it. And it is challenging for those of us that are caring for older feral cat colonies. That's really tough if you see an older cat, you know, cat over the age of 10 or we in Newburyport had cats over the age of 15 still living outside in the colonies and, you know, certainly dealing with the arthritis and that kind of stuff and other older age issues. And from a standpoint of of a veterinarian, holistic veterinarian, would you have any advice for the folks that are helping those feral cat colonies? Yes. I think that with older kitties, one thing that we could be doing better is improving their nutrition. And so for when I think about feral cat colonies, probably not going to come in there and be able to do massage and acupuncture. And so when those things are taken off the table, I think of how can I feed them, you know, maybe a higher calorie food, and then maybe putting some CBD in their food, knowing that if another cat got some CBD, it would be okay. You know, how could we improve that? And I, I think nutrition would be the most powerful thing. Yep, I would say that. And then in the colder climates, trying to provide them with some heated shelter might be kind of nice too. Absolutely. Yes. If they will take it, that would be very helpful. And I just have to say, even, you know, when we have older kitties and whether they're feral or not, there are domesticated kitties. I think having the conversation, and this might sound a little bit out there, but having the conversation with the kitty about how much intervention they want. And just because we can do an intervention doesn't mean we should. I have an 18-year-old kitty um, named Sammy, and he is in the later stages of renal failure. And it's very clear to me that he doesn't want subcutaneous fluids. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't like it. He really doesn't like to be handled in that way. He's a very loving and very cuddly, but that is his limit. And so I think it's important, even though I say, you know, we should be doing more for kitties and there, you know, there are so many things that we're not doing. It's important to understand for your kitty too, just because you can do it doesn't mean we should. And do they want that kind of intervention? My other older kitty, Simba, I can pill him easily. He's fine with that. He welcomes intervention. And I feel like this is how cats make their own end of life decisions as well. So we as guardians or owners need to learn how to listen. Yes. That's tough. It is tough. (laughs) It is tough. Yes. And just thinking, okay, is this something that my kitty would want to do or would cooperate for? You know, some cats, if you pill them twice a day, you're going to completely annihilate your relationship and their quality of life. They're going to be consistently scared of you and having anxiety about the next time, you know, they open that bottle and come at me with the towel. And so I think those are important considerations. 
If folks are interested in finding out more about the work that you do, and I believe you have some products up on your website, how would they find you? You can find me at boulderholisticvet.com. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yes, I would just like to encourage everybody to keep advocating for kitties, both indoor and outdoor, and continue to educate yourself on better ways to love your kitties, feed your kitties, and um, help your kitties' mental health. Angie, that's great. I want to thank you so much for joining me today and agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats Podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. Wow.